I see ERP being the flexible platform that they need to keep going to be relevant. So this will be the core that will provide data and processes that can be easily extended out, not only through the entire organization, but provide information to other partners so that they can do their job too. Welcome to the Future of ERP podcast. My name is Richard Howells. I'm a Vice President for Thought Leadership for SAP's ERP Finance and Supply Chain Solutions. And today, I'm going to be discussing how manufacturers fuel growth and profitability using new service-based business models. And to do so, I'm pleased to be joined by my friend and colleague, Judy Kubis. So welcome to the Future of ERP podcast. Judy, could you introduce yourself? and tell us a little bit about your current role. Thanks, Richard. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, I'm Judy Kubis. I'm part of the industry marketing team here at SAP, and I'm the global lead for industrial manufacturing and aerospace and defense industries. So I work with our industry solution experts and our solution and field marketing colleagues to make sure that we can share with our customers in those industries the value that our solutions can bring and the best practices that we have. So I invited you along today because uh, I know that you were involved with IDC in a recent survey of uh, mid-sized manufacturing companies. Could you give us a little bit of background about the recent survey? Yeah, IDC published a survey at the beginning of this year. I think the overall survey was like 1,500 um, respondents. And within that, the mid-sized manufacturers, over half of them basically said that new service-based models were very important or important to them as far as their revenue growth and differentiation was concerned. I mean, I think overall in the market, there's been a lot of hype about XAAS, uh, everything as a service. and. I think in the manufacturing industry, we need to look at it slightly differently. I mean, these results don't mean that manufacturers just want to move everything to everything as a service models, but it means that they're really looking at a range of different service-based models that like including installation, maintenance, field service support, new digital services, preventative, predictive maintenance, as well as usage-based models. What they're really saying is they really want the option to be able to deliver these whole range of models if that's what their customers want. So let's delve a little bit from a mid-sized perspective. Why are these mid-sized companies thinking about embracing and enabling this service-based model? I mean, for mid-sized manufacturers, the primary goals are always growth and containing cost. And I think embracing these service-based business models is based out of that desire for growth. Because mid-sized manufacturers have a lot of the similar processes and needs to their larger competitors, but they often just don't have the same level of resources. And I think that these models and the way that customers want to interact with them are changing. So this is a way that they can provide more personalized or individualized solutions for their customers. I mean, service solutions often generate higher margins and it also allows them to drive to recurring rev revenue models, which in the current volatile environment are obviously really important. 
I would imagine it also helps build better relationships with their customers because you've got constant interaction with your customers rather than a one-time sale. That's very true. And I think it brings a lot more sort of closer to the customers and it really differentiates them. You know, they can really give their customers what they want. And especially with manufacturing, usage-based models, there's a certain amount of risk sharing, you know, so then you have to have that trust and level of intimacy with your customers to get to those sorts of models in the end. And I know it's not as simple as just saying, oh, tomorrow we're going to add an as a service uh, element to this. So what challenges are they facing enabling this? Well, the first challenge we should really talk about is from an IT perspective. I mean, there's a lot of other challenges around, but implementing these processes through the IT landscape, which for mid-sized manufacturers is often as just as complicated and diverse as larger companies, I mean, they have a lot less talent. You know, the, their IT staff is often small. And, and you mean in sheer numbers. You don't mean they're not as smart. They're just not as many of them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they just yeah. don't have the number of people and they've got a lot to do. They often have to cover a lot more areas than in big companies, so that they tend to be much more focused on the day-to-day operations. And I think everybody's been talking about the talent shortage and just attracting this sort of talent to smaller companies. I mean, that's a challenging itself. So what they really need is they need a system because these models are not just one part of the business. I mean, these models impact every single line of business from design through to service. So you need to be able to implement it across your entire landscape in a very easy way. So you can implement scale and adapt these models. Because obviously if it's the first time you're doing some of these service-based models, they may not all work. You may have to adjust them, figure out what the profitability is. So you really need to be able to implement scale and adapt these models quickly. Let's delve into that a little bit more because, I mean, you mentioned the business systems. What does it mean to the business and ERP systems? What do they have to do to help enable this? How do they have to change? How are they able to do things differently with their ERP system? Or what do they have to do differently? I think that's a really great question. It really depends which part of the business you're looking at. But let's start from the beginning. If you're talking about design, you really need to be able to design in a modular factor. Make sure you can get all the data back. From a sales perspective, you're often bundling solutions or not just selling a product with a one-time fee, but you're selling a product with a service, with a subscription based on usage. So now within your sales orders, you need to be able to coordinate and orchestrate all of those different elements to make sure it's delivered at the same time. There may be some consulting in there. There may be some predictive service. There may be some digital content, some learning. So you've got to be able to orchestrate and coordinate all of the delivery of those items as well as the ongoing revenue and a lot of these contracts are maybe unique so you need a very clear way of being able to track profitability how much does each element cost how much are you spending on it and this is across multiple lines of business so you need this integrated business flow to be able to see everything that's happening bring all the data back in and analyze it both from a profitability and commercial sense as well as are you meeting the KPIs because if you're talking about usage 
or performance, then if you don't hit those KPIs, there could be penalties. So the impact of not hitting that is a lot higher. So we've talked about scaling and adapting. You can't wait for months to see if something works and then go back and adjust it. You need to have real-time insight and be able to adjust your models in a relatively quickly period of time. You mentioned being able to build based on usage or performance. I would imagine that that means that you also have to rethink how you design the actual products that you're billing based on usage or performance as well. Yeah, the design needs to incorporate the elements that allow you to collect the data that you need. So you need the sensors, you need the connectivity, and you need to be able to, if you're responsible for this device, you need to think in multiple years terms, like you don't want to replace it, you want to be able to add innovations and performance improvement, maybe there via software on an ongoing basis to really get the maximum benefit over the lifetime. I would also think that from a maintenance perspective, things change because if you're billing based on usage, for example, if the machine breaks down, everyone's unhappy because you can't bill the customer and the customer can't use the product. So so bringing that service management part of it must be quite important as well. It's bringing everything together, understanding when these machines break down, are they performing? Can you predict when they're likely to perform? How do you optimize the service? I mean, you've got a lot more skin in the game at that point, you know? So I think how you approach the maintenance and the service and the relationships with maybe third-party providers to make sure you get the turnaround and the SLAs becomes really important. And these are all things that you need to think about upfront when you're setting up the contract. I assume that one of the technologies that's being leveraged is the cloud. So how can cloud ERP help mid-sized companies who, as you mentioned earlier, may not have the IT infrastructure of their larger competitors? I think cloud is a game changer for multiple reasons, especially the public cloud solutions like SAPS for HANA, because it really enables mid-sized manufacturers to take advantage of a comprehensive integrated ERP system that they may not have wanted to do in the past because they considered them, you know, complex, too long to implement. But in the cloud, a public system is a size and a cost that could work for them. It has less upfront capital. They don't have to invest the sort of the IT project team to get it all set up. They only have to pay and use what they need at that time. And that usage can be moved up and down. And the implementation times are much quicker as long as they will integrate the best practices out of the box. I think the other advantage for them is that new innovations are continuously added. So they're embedded into key processes like product recommendations, configuration, and they're integrated into the network. I mean, especially a more sophisticated cloud ERP system has those integrated processes that we were talking about. It goes from design all the way through. You're looking at the same set of data and that integrated business process and that visibility of data across their entire business is really what will enable mid-sized manufacturers to change their business models to see what works and doesn't and basically grow those plat- those processes on one platform. 
so they can grow their business and the ERP system grows with them in effect as well. Basically, yes, with limited cost to them. Yeah, the other thing that we've heard a lot on this podcast series of the benefits of the cloud is the ability to uh, keep up with, as you say, the rate of change, but sustainability mandates, for example. How do you keep up with sustainability mandates? I'm assuming you allow your systems solution provider to do all the heavy lifting. And as long as you can keep up with the latest version of the software, it's another example of where you can gain benefits. Complying with the cost of regulations is a huge overhead for smaller manufacturers because they don't have the cost base to spread it over the larger manufacturing does. So having a system that automatically is up, kept up to date with some of the regulations that they need to do automatically is a huge advantage for them. Yeah. Going back to the as a service model, you mentioned earlier this business model changes the way you interact with your customers. It changes the way you build, for example. Yeah. It also changes how you design products and to capture new data that enables billing and how your service model works for repairs, as we just discussed. So from a human perspective, how does this change the way that the company and employees work? How do you link the strategy of the other service model to your people? I think this is probably one of the areas that's the hardest. I mean, because... Change like this is never just about the technology. That's really often the easiest part to a certain extent. These models are really around how do you deliver value to your customer and how do you share risk? And as you move towards taking more responsibility, maybe becoming more responsible for the equipment that is at your customer's site, then that is a fundamental change of doing business. So this is something that has to be cascaded down through every single department so that everybody understands it. Let's take an example of the sales team. If they were compensated before on just selling of an individual product, and now it's a a lifetime contract, and I know a lot of I've moved to the cloud, a lot of software and high-tech companies have already gone through this. You know, it's a different relationship. You can't just go in there, sell something and leave. You need to have this ongoing relationship. Your compensation model changes, your commercial model changes. So it really does mean that people have to understand how this fits into the overall business strategy they need to buy into it and there needs to be a comprehensive change program to make sure that they're coming along with it because it's too easy for everybody to just continue doing what they've always done so it it's an ongoing process to make sure that this is implemented through everybody's dna I think one other thing is that this requires visibility and analytics, you know, people linking the strategy to what they're doing to the improvements in the business and why they're doing it. It comes back to having that real-time visibility across all departments to see how everybody's contributing. I should ring a bell every time somebody says we need to improve visibility. Because I think it comes up on every <laughs> every podcast. To be a, more sustainable, we need to improve visibility. To be more resilient, we need to improve the visibility. Well, it's all about data, isn't it? Without data, you can't make the decisions and you can't 
get the data unless you've got an integrated system. So otherwise, everyone's looking at different things. So you need to sing off the same hymn sheet, as they say. As you said earlier, companies are seeing the as a service as a new revenue model, but it's not their only revenue model. I mean, many companies, customers, what wants that as a service model? They still want to buy products from you, for example. Yeah, How do companies exactly. manage this continuum and balance the different business models? And what happens when the next new business model comes along? I mean, it comes back to flexibility again, being able to do all of these different things on one platform, which is you can't have one system to do your services, one system to do your sales for your products, one system to do that. If you look at a lot of the manufacturers, let's take uh, Kaiser Compressoren, they're a German company. They've been providing compressed air systems for a really long time. And if you look at the solutions that they offer worldwide, they offer like single compressors and blowers. They offer solutions. They offer services. They offer break-fix. They offer design, installation. But they also offer compressed air as a service. So they're not trying to move their entire business to compress air as a utility or as a service, but they're offering it as an option along everything else. So I think what that comes down to is it's important to have a solution or an ERP system that can support all of these different types of sales, manufacturing, billing options on one system, something that they can bring it together and have a single point of truth. And then it needs to be extensible. You need to be able to get the data in, the digital twin data. You need to be able to provide predictive models and things like that. So it's really about you need a system that's comprehensive enough to be able to cope with all of these models, add new models, change them, and in a way that's not very difficult. I am not saying that everything would be in the platform, but you do need a way, if you've got a differentiating business model, to take the data out, easily extend it, you know, have a modular way to extend it to different applications. Uh, one more question around this topic. There are lots of parties involved when we talk about another service model. So what are some of the benefits for all parties? Are benefits for the company offering it, the customer that consumes it? And even third parties like the maintenance companies that may be involved in ensuring the uptime of the equipment at a customer's site. That's a great question. I mean, I think for the customers, they're looking for different ways to consume things, just like we're doing in our day-to-day -day consumer life. It's, sometimes it's difficult to buy something. You've got to subscribe yep. to it. But the advantage of that, if it's a big piece of equipment that you don't have to put it all the money up front and for the customers they move from a capex to more of an opex model so they're not having to do big upfront expenditures they can do recurring revenue and change that depending on their usage which is also a benefit for the manufacturer when times have turned down or pandemics and when people stop buying if they've already got the machine, then these subscriptions go on and they've got more resilience against some of these disruptions. And I think also bundling services and products, I mean, the differentiation and the value that you can provide to the customers, very specific to their needs, increases which means that it's possible to charge a bigger premium if you're meeting their customer needs more exactly. So 
And for third parties, as you're looking at the SLAs, I think it comes back down to collaboration and relationships. To ensure that all of these SLAs are met, the collaboration between the customer, the manufacturer, and, and any other partner involved, it means there's got to be trust and collaboration to make sure that the whole process works. So I think that there's a lot of value and continuity for every party involved. So it's a win, win, win. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. I can't believe it, but we've flown through this discussion and we're at the end of the podcast. So I have one final question that I ask all of my guests. So if you could summarize in a sentence or two, what do you see as the future of ERP? Where I see ERP going is being the flexible platform that they need to keep going to be relevant. So this will be the core that will provide data and processes that can be easily extended out, not only through the entire organization, but provide information to other partners so that they can do their job too. Judy, thanks for a great conversation. It's been a lot of fun. It's always good to talk to you, Richard. Thank you. And thanks everyone for listening. If you'd like to get more information about the topic or even the research study that uh, Judy was talking about from IDC, please look at the show notes and you'll find more related topics for this show. Please mark us as a favourite and you can get regular updates and information about future episodes. But until next time, from Judy and I, thank you for discussing the future of ERP.